Hey everyone, Jim Laird here. Dr. Stillman will be joining me shortly. Um, I live an outdoor lifestyle. I try and do majority of my time, spend the majority of my time outside. It's a little windy today. So usually this software is pretty good at basically um, everyone. There's Dr. Stillman. This software Hello. is pretty good at eliminating background noise. It's a little bit windy. But it's not today. perfect. So, oh well. So today, the quote of the day is, how you been, Dr. Stillman? We haven't seen you Been great, been really busy. Had to go to the dentist yesterday, which was super fun. How was your trip last week? It was great, went to Guatemala, had a really good time. Saw some family, celebrated my dad's birthday. Good to be back. Excellent. Yeah. So the quote of the day, Always be the first-rate version of yourself and not a second-rate version of someone else, Judy Garland. I love and that. And thank you. Pick, you know, copy.ia helped pick me up, helped it, helped me pick it up. And the title today is Beyond the Dogma, Embracing Versatility in Life and Avoiding the One-Trick Pony Trap. Pretty good title, isn't it? And I'm going to start by criticizing myself first, okay? In the group calls lately, we've had a lot of people come into the call and say, well, this expert says this, and this expert says this, and I have to do this. Well, I've fallen into this trap as well. I recommend walking to people. There are people I've worked with that walking is not good for them. It actually causes problems for them. They aren't qualified to walk. So we need to start on the floor we need to restore some variability in their movement and their strategy. And some of them aren't able to walk long distances. So we do it. We do a recumbent bike or something like that instead. So I fall into this as well. I'm criticizing myself. The one that has been particularly um, prominent lately is 90 minutes of hit a week um, in order to increase your longevity. And I find this interesting, this general broad recommendation. If I have a mother of three or four, which we have a bunch of them, who's not sleeping, who's really just struggling to keep up, maybe she's working as well, and I've worked with women like that, and I go and tell her to do 90 minutes of hit work a week, that is going to bury her. But what people will hear this, and they'll get it in their mind that they have to do this in order to be healthier. And it might not be what they need in their specific case. And the number of people I've seen over the years that were inhibiting their process by having too much intensity to their program, I, I made my living off that. So I agree. And we see it in the, you know, using exercise is just one example. I think it's hard to say if we see more of this in the lifestyle exercise uh, component of what we do or the nutritional component of what we do as if we can really separate them. But that was going to be my next example. <laughs> right. I mean, we have so many people who come in and they say, well, I, I heard that I can't eat this because of that. And I can't eat that because of this. And yesterday we were on a call with uh, with somebody who, you know, I asked her because I was concerned about her. Uh, potassium intake, which is something that we very commonly see in the practices being low. 
people do really well with a high potassium intake across the board. There are going to be exceptions to that full, you know, just to be upfront about that. Uh, it's hard for me to find many exceptions to that rule, but they're out there more on that. Maybe another time, but most people do really well with a high potassium diet. And I asked her, you know, do you eat any bananas? Do you eat any potatoes? Do you eat any sweet potatoes? Do you eat any other root vegetables? How many servings of cooked vegetables, green vegetables are you eating each day? And then how many servings of lean protein are you having each day? Because when you look at someone's potassium intake, generally speaking, it comes down to those key building blocks for potassium in the diet. And when you don't have significant quantities of any of those foods, you're going to be eating a low potassium diet. So particularly people who are on, for example, one meal a day, they might be getting 30, 40, 50 grams of protein with their dinner. They might be having some green vegetables on the side. Those people are headed for a low potassium intake. And if they're doing things like stacking that with uh, you know, electrolyte uh, um, remineralization solutions that are heavy on the salt because they're meant for athletes who are losing a lot of sodium and sweat. They can have this very high sodium to potassium ratio that long-term basically runs down their energy levels. And it's very common for me to tell someone, okay, you've been eating a high sodium, low potassium diet. We're going to flip that and we're going to put you on a moderate sodium high potassium diet and get remarkable results. The number one thing I look for in those cases is if the person's tired because you need potassium for intracellular energy generation because it's essential in water or hydrogen bonding networks uh, in water that create the cellular battery, which we talk about so much. And then we had a pretty interesting video on uh, yesterday with Meredith Oak that streamed to Facebook and YouTube. And that's on our podcast list if you want to check it out. It's called like uh, what RFK and Joe Rogan are missing. Um, you know, the other thing with that is people forget that if you look at traditional cultures, their diets change with the seasons, mm -hmm. even the Inuit get some berries and things in their diet in the summer. And they even use some of those berries and things in their pemmican in the winter time. So the variety of the diet changes with the seasons. There's, there, there's no real culture on earth that's eating the exact same thing constantly all the time. And we've gone into these little tribes and. I can't tell you the number of people that I've worked with that been doing a certain eating style for two or three years and they're not sleeping and they're, and they feel like crap and they're unwilling to try some new things because they're willing to die on that hill. And I've seen every type of diet strategy work for different people until it doesn't. So, you know, some people will skip breakfast for a while and do fine for a couple months, a year, and then all of a sudden they start going squirrely and they might have to reintroduce breakfast. That's why, you know, being mindful and paying attention to where you're at and how you're feeling and what your body's reacting to uh, is so important so that you can make, you can make adjustments. And, and I'm curious where a lot of these experts, uh, and, and I have, you know, the utmost respect for all these people. Right. Um, but where they're getting their data from, I've spent a lot of time in one of my, I'm a history dork, okay? And one of the things I used to do, and I probably need to start doing it again, uh, it's a little weirder to do it today, but I would go when I was in high school, college, even about 10 years ago, I would go to retirement homes and go in there and just sit and talk to these people and ask them about their life and ask them about history, particularly veterans. 
And all the people I talked to that were 101, 105, 106, 107, a couple people that are 110, they were not high-charging, high-level athletes. They were usually people, some of them had gone to war, but they generally were active. A lot of them gardened. A lot of them were still active. A lot of them were going and playing shuffleboard, but they weren't, they didn't have a history of doing any high, you know, intensity exercise. There's nothing wrong with that if your body can handle it. If you have the low level conditioning to handle the intensity and you use it in the right doses. Right. But I didn't see any like high level, hard charging athletes at 110 in the, in the hundreds of older super centenarian soup what is the word super super centenarians thank you i've never yes. seen any hard charging athletes I well not just hard charging athletes but you know i would ask you did you ever meet a ceo who made it to 100 did you ever meet a high level you know i don't know insert high performance high achieving um uh job description at 100 yeah, show me a Lamborghini with a million miles on it. Well, it's a really interesting question, right? Because um, a lot of what we do and how we live has, has changed radically. So, for example, um, just thinking about soldiers, since you brought that up, back in World War II, that's just, again, an example. And a lot, a lot of the veterans I'm sure you were talking to were World War II vets, right, Jim? Yes, World War I, World War II. Right. And so the uh, the special operations the elite soldiers of that time how uh, intense was their what we would call op tempo today how much action did they actually see compared to their equivalent today right and how difficult was their selection process compared to today i was talking to um the wife of a navy seal recently and she said to me that the current generation of special operators has seen more action than you know a hundred years or something like that of American soldiers combined because she said look if you're going out on multiple missions a night for month after month after month after month and you're deployed for years and years and years of your life then you know that's far more action than somebody who would would have somebody would have seen if they'd been deployed or in a in an old sort of military, right? The old style of war, you might have two or three battles in, in one war and that would be it. And you're chilling. Yeah. Right. And it would be, you know, two or three days. Well, now you're, you're a special operator. You have the ability to be trapped, transported around the world in a number of days. That's so it. you could be fighting in Africa uh, for a couple of weeks and then you're lifted up and then you're shipped to South America. And right. You're always, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been friends with a couple of guys that are in the French foreign legion and it was like constant. And, and here's the thing, too. If you look at the fitness standards in World War II, everyone that came into the military, very few people pat, like failed the fitness assessment. Right. Um, and it was harder than it is today, right? Right. So if the elite level stuff is harder, just to get in the military is easier because our the preparedness of the population has gone down. But those guys back then had much higher testosterone levels. They all grew up. They worked on farms. Their general, if you look at like the physical education videos from like the, the 40s, 50s, 60s, you got guys that are doing monkey bars and freaking flipping around and walking on their hands. And the, the average kid today, just they're one, their parents would be like, don't do that. You're going to die. You're going to hurt yourself. Um, 
but the level of fitness is so horrible that a lot of people aren't in good enough shape to handle intensity. And that's where a lot of people just don't. And that's why a lot of people don't train. They go to a trainer, he takes them instead of starting them out with some walking and with some, some, some stuff they can actually adapt to, they throw them into a group fitness class and they wear them the, the F out. And then they never go back. They're like, I can I can't walk the next day. What's the point? I'm just going to give up completely. That's it. <clears throat> and that moves us into another um, statement that's come up a lot lately. Uh, and this one's very interesting. And I understand why the gentleman says this because we've gone so we've become human zoo creatures. The mass majority of Americans spend 97% of their day inside. So the statement is, don't work out under blue light. You're better off not working out at all than you are working out under blue light. And as a coach who spent from like 1995 to like two years ago, training people indoors. In person, every day. Every day. I've seen hundreds of people do incredibly well in artificial light in a gym. Right. So saying stuff like that, I can see why that's happening. It's extreme. It makes people think. But 85% of people are going to look at that and go, that's that's BS. And don't even, they're going to write off completely what that person has to say. And that's probably what they want anyways, but to be inflammatory. Right. All those people that came into my gym when it was about, you know, 2000. 15 where I really started getting into the circadian stuff because a lot of my own health, I made some major changes to my lifestyle, cut out my morning classes, but I used the gym to get people to come to me. You can't take somebody who's spending 97% of their time inside in the air conditioning uh, and he's out of shape, expect them to all of a sudden switch to do all their workouts outside. It's just not going to happen. People aren't going to do it. So I would use the gym to say, okay, let's start with walking outside three times a day for 10 minutes. Some of my best clients that I've had over the years, it took them a year or two to buy into what I was selling because I would spoon feed them, right? And so that's always been my philosophy is meet people where they are and then help them along the way. I mean, a lot of people, there, there was, it was really funny. I had somebody, it's fairly prominent in the quantum health world, and I was uh, texting back and forth with him. And then I had a client text me who was asking for like a template for help with nutrition. And I accidentally sent the quantum guy um, Stan Efferty's vertical diet template. And he goes, is this what you recommend to clients to eat? And I was like, yeah, that's where we get people started. Um, you know, most people are not going to go from a diet of processed foods and Coke and alcohol and fried foods to eating sardines, oysters, and, uh, and ribeyes. And neither am I. I'm not going to eat a diet of just sardines, even though I like all those things. Right. I want a sustainable diet that's more reliable. I'm like, I have to meet these people where they are. Like, for example, if I have someone, we have someone that we've worked with in the practice, 
who was addicted to Coke. The first step was switching to Diet Coke. We did that for a couple couple weeks and then a month. And she started seeing the weight come off. She started feeling better. We switched from fruit juices to actual fruit. And then we went from there. And then we slowly started adding protein. So what was his response to the vertical diet? He, he was like, well, I, 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 you know, that's not what I would do. And I'm just like, that's fine. Go ahead. But, you know, this is where we're meeting people where they are. Right. And we want to give people something that's sustainable that they're going to eat for the rest of their life. And most people are not going to eat oysters and sardines for the rest of their life. And we see so many people coming to us who've been listening to gurus, experts, influencers, pundits, etc., and without really realizing the limitations on the experience of these people. So I'm very clear about my experience. I'm a general internist. I've done a lot of different things in the natural, holistic, integrative health world. I did a lot of different things when I was in conventional medicine and academia. I don't try and pass myself off as someone who's in a subspecialty and knowing everything about that. I still refer to my colleagues. Just last night, I called a colleague in a different specialty to ask them for advice on a case. And I'll obviously refer appropriately, right? But you have to understand that somebody like me is very, is, is very rare. Most of the influencers you're dealing with have got a very specific niche. They only see thyroid patients. They only see people who are interested in, in health, performance, longevity. Like I've, High level athletes. Right, high level athletes. You know, the example I used yesterday on a call was that, you know, once I met a, <clears throat> a guy who was very proud of the fact that he was one of Peter Atia's um, patients, clients, whatever you call it. And uh, this was somebody who was, you know, dropping six figures a year on their out-of-pocket medical expenses. That's not the average person. And I said to people on the call, I said, look, you, if you hear something from Peter Atia with what he's doing with his clients... Do you really think that if you're dropping six figures a year on your out-of-pocket medical expenses, that that applies to you? Like little old Betty on a fixed income at, you know, $40,000 a year, right? These are not the same thing. If you are dropping six figures on your out-of-pocket medical expenses, you should, and if somebody came to me and was spending that much and said, look, I want you to help me fine tune and dial it in, I would say, okay, listen, you know, let's look at your day. Let's look at how much time you have and everything that you can outsource about your wellness coming up with the supplements in your pillbox, coming up with, um, you know, the meals you need to eat, hire a professional chef, you know, have some kind of um, personal trainer if you want it, whatever. I would have all that outsourced for that person. How on earth am I supposed to get the same results for a single mother of three kids who has maybe 50 bucks a month in disposable income to spend on things like supplements and biohacks and wellness gear, right? That I'm going to get for this guy who can spend six figures a year. And so people will hear, oh, I have my clients do this. This person's clientele may be completely different from you. And you're just assuming that that has to do with you. We talk, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this, we're talking about the general public. You know, I, I don't really have like hard numbers on who comes to see us, but you know, we, we have a really wide range of prices for what we afford people to do and, and who we work with, you know, Jim, working with people in person. I mean, you worked with people who had significant net worth, significant income, and you worked with people who were, you know, uh, stretching or reaching to pay to train with you because they really loved what you did and they really saw the value. Right. And, and I worked with high level athletes and I worked with people that could barely get off the toilet, you know, right. and, it, and it's going to change, you know, 
my expectations for someone that can barely get off the toilet are going to be totally different for somebody who's getting paid $10 million a year to throw a little white ball over a plate, right? So, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, you know, that's just reality. That's and, right. And, and I, I, I use this exact, well, let me go back to the Diet Coke thing. Sure. In the Diet Coke, once we got her on Diet Coke for a couple months, she lost weight, her PCOS got better. Then we switched her to flavored mineral water. And now she's like, okay, these are foods that I can't live without. So we found a way to structure her diet that managed her PCOS and with going outside and all these things. Eating the foods that she loved, where she's still, she's having a period, she feels great, she's lost a ton of weight, you know. She's met all of her goals. She's met all of her goals. If I said to you, you, you can only eat ribeye for the rest of your life. She said, screw this. Yeah, I'm people people spin out. You know, they, they, they it's a little bit like trying to turn a car that's going too fast, too hard. You know, you have to be, you just have to take your time sometimes. So you do the best you can. And everybody's got different goals. And everyone has different, like, I've had grandmothers come into me and say, I just want to be able to play with my kids on the floor without being in pain. I don't need to do 90 minutes of work, hit work a week. To just talk about that. And I don't need to do an right. hour and a half of zone two with three strength training sessions a day. All she might need to do is a 10 minute floor warm up every day and maybe one strength training session, right. 30 minutes long. Right. And we talk to people a lot about their goals along the way here because you know, the, the, the reality is that most people's goals are not the thing they go to their doctor about. They might go to the doctor about their high cholesterol if, as if that was even a problem. That's a story for another day. And in fact, I think I'm going to be doing a, I think I'm going to be doing a masterclass on that for my next uh, Monday masterclass. If people don't know what that is, it's over at my Substack. Yeah. You so, did a great one on iodine yesterday. Yeah. People are really loving the iodine video I made. yesterday. I'll put a link to that in the description yeah. so people can check it out. So with, um, you know, cholesterol as an example, you know, patients come in and they say, look, I'm worried about my cholesterol. What they're really worried about is their risk of heart disease and stroke. And what they're really worried about is being disabled by these things and taken away from their family and their job and the things that they find meaningful in life prematurely. And so they're not really interested in their cholesterol. They're interested in optimizing everything so that they're able to do the things in life that are important to them and meaningful to them. And that's where, you know, people will get lost and will, do I need to do hit? Do I need to do this? And do I need to do that? Well, are you already doing all of the things that you really need to do in order to have a meaningful, happy life? Are you getting along with, you know, your nearest and dearest? Do you have a healthy work environment? You know, so rarely am I getting to the point with somebody of, oh, you need to do or add 20 minutes of hit, you know, four times a week. Vast majority of the time, it's you know, you've got some kind of toxic exposure, you've got some kind of bad lifestyle, you've got some series of bad habits, dietary choices, you know, fill in the blank here. Frequently, it's you have a toxic job, a toxic boss, a toxic boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, mother-in-law, father-in-law, whatever, and you need to manage these relationships in a different way, or they're going to create all kinds of psychosomatic illness in your body. So that's the reality of it. Well, and if you are chasing performance, if performance is your goal, how are you tracking it? Are you tracking your performance numbers? Like what numbers is it based on? Right. Are you trying to be a great power lifter? If you're going to be a world-class power lifter, that doesn't go hand in hand with health. 
If you're going to be a world-class bodybuilder, that doesn't go hand in hand with health. What's your HRV? What's your resting heart rate? What testing your grip strength every day before you start adding intensity, thinking that that's what you need to achieve your goal, start tracking where you're at. You might find you're exhausted, fatigue, hides fitness. Maybe it's efficiency. I can't tell you how many athletes that came to me that were just not good movers that would get hired because they weren't very efficient. And I was able to clean up the way they moved and make them move better. And all of a sudden their fitness level is better. They're not getting so tired in the game, right? Teaching them how to breathe better. If I can teach someone how to breathe better, they're going to recover faster. Mm. I just taught them better by changing the air filter on their car. A lot of people think, well, the answer to getting the car better is driving it harder. And that just doesn't necessarily work. Right. It's all about efficiency. It's all about being smarter. That's why when people ask us questions like, well, what should I eat or what should I do this or that or whatever, we're always coming back and asking, how do you feel when you do that? What do you see change in your data when you do that? That's one reason why we love the Aura Ring. Really helps us to dial people in and help them understand where they're at. Somebody who's got an HRV that's in the tank, whose respiratory rate is high, that's somebody who needs rest, not somebody who needs another 30-minute hit session. Or they need walking, you know, just to get themselves, you know, going in the right... And hits great. Don't get me wrong. It's just really hard on your system. It's expensive. Very hard. I, I found that it works so much better if used in mild dosages. And most people don't understand. Like the, all these athletes that you see doing these insanely credible things, they don't see the hours and the hours and the hours of boring, mundane practice that they've done to achieve that high level. They don't That's see true. the hours of the gymnast walking on her hand and climbing ropes and doing pistol squats and all these bear crawls and all the things that she's done to prepare her body for all the tumbling and everything that she's doing in that minute and a half competition. She's done years and years, decades of preparation for that. And most people don't get that. Right. And most people need to realize that, you know, going back to the, the title and the theme today is that there's very few hard and fast rules about how to live, what to eat, how to train. It all depends about on, upon your goals. And for the vast majority of you who are most concerned with maintaining your basic bodily function so that you can have a meaningful, happy life and not be disabled at an early age or even in your you know later years, at the end of the day, what you need to do is have a really wide range of things that you do and that you enjoy doing and all the other things, obviously, that we we talk about. Um, but getting into these, A, relying on, you know, one or relying on one thing, like as in a one trick pony, right? Like, oh, this keto diet is the ticket to my longevity. Oh, this hit training, you know, session that I'm doing is all I need for my exercise. It's a really myopic way of viewing your health and your wellness. And 